You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our good friends at Alumni Hall, where you can get all your Georgia gear and accessory needs. I'm your host, Tyler, and joining me as he will each Sunday for our official game recap episodes throughout the entire 2021 season is my co-host, Curtis. And guys, man, those of you who are out there, you know what I'm talking about. It was an awesome day on Saturday here in the Classic City. It was incredible to get back at it between the hedges to hear the battle hymn, to rock with the It's Saturday lead-in, to see all of our longtime seatmates we haven't seen since, I think, what, November 2019. It was just awesome, guys. And then the 56-7 beatdown of UAB, that wasn't so bad either. And we're going to recap all the happenings from said beatdown here in just a few minutes. We actually have more to talk about than you would normally think we would coming off a blowout win over a G5 team. So we'll get to that here in just a few minutes. But first, now that we are a couple of weeks into the season, it's time to tell you that this season, all of us here at the Glory UGA podcast are partnering with Game Day Tailgate Experiences to promote the killer tailgate they're going to be putting on for the Georgia-Florida game in Jacksonville this season. And guys, this is a different type of tailgating. It's all you can eat, all you can drink. There's going to be an open bar, guys. Yes, control yourselves, open bar. There's going to be games, there's tinted seating, so you aren't just sitting there roasting in the unforgiving Florida sun. They have TVs set up all over the place to watch all the other games leading up to the big one at 3.30. These guys are legitimately pros. They put this stuff on for the Jags and other major events, and they do it right. It's truly, guys, it's tailgating done right because you don't have to do anything. You just show up and start having fun. No setup, no teardown, nothing. Show up and enjoy your football Saturday. And this year, their event is hosted by former Bulldog Brandon Boykin and Georgia superfan Trent Big Dog Woods. You're going to have the chance to do a meet and greet with all of them, and it will all take place right outside TIAA Bank. So you can walk into, or for some of you, probably stumble into the stadium 
after the tailgate. I have the link on my Twitter profile, but all you have to do is go to gtepresents.com and search for the Georgia-Florida tailgate event to buy your tickets today. But all right, Curtis, we've got a game to recap, so let's do just that. UAB, the Blazers, they rolled into Athens with a top three upset on their mind. But as we all witnessed, they rolled out on a stretcher as the dogs came out fast and furious with elite defense, which that's to be expected at this point. But paired that this time with a high flying aerial attack, which was certainly not so expected in route to a 49-point victory, the second largest margin of victory in the Kirby Smart era, only trailing the Arkansas State victory back in, I think it was 2019, where he beat the Red Wolves 55 to nothing. So anyway, you slice it, a dominant performance, another dominant performance by the Georgia Bulldogs. And really, Curtis, I mean, we all watched it happen. I'm not telling anyone anything they don't already know, but once the ball was kicked off, We were truly never challenged in this game. So this recap obviously just doesn't have the drama of the Clemson game recap. Obviously, we saw a lot of good things out there, as you'd expect when you steamroll a team 56-7 to and you just outman them, you outclass them, of course. But it's still, it's always hard for me at least. I always caution people, try not to draw those like hardcore definitive conclusions about games against FCS opponents, or in this case, a group of five opponent, a good group of five opponent, but a group of five opponent nonetheless. But whatever, Curtis, let's give it our best shot here. Let's do exactly the opposite of what I just said. Let's throw caution to the wind and let's try to draw some conclusions about this game. So what was your biggest takeaway from this beatdown of UAB? Um, my biggest thing was like, first off, a lot of people were expecting us to it kind of felt like come out and not be fully into this game after like a letdown, especially after the Clemson game last week. Um, and you really didn't see that. You see them, saw them come out with high energy and take care of business, which I think was a huge thing. And then second of all, we, the offense took what we were given. Um, you kind of saw that UAB was selling out to kind of stop the run. And I feel like uh, Coach Monk can call it a good game. And there was good execution out there taking the plays that were there to be made. Yeah, he was public enemy number one last week, right? But now all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, well, he's actually pretty good after all. Maybe not so bad. But yeah, yeah good take there, man. not playing too deep safety, it's easy to, you know, have a passing game. Oh, you mean the armchair experts out there don't know everything they're talking about when it comes to football? They don't know more than our professional offensive coordinator? Not always. Not always, right? Sometimes, I guess. Sometimes, maybe, but not always. All right, that's a good takeaway, man. But for me, and here I am, I'm going, I'm going for the big shot here. My takeaway from this game is that we are really, really freaking good. Like a championship caliber football team. And it's not that I did not already know that. And again, here I am completely throwing caution to the wind, drawing some crazy conclusion off of this one game against UAB. But it's not just this one game, right? Obviously, we already knew this team after what we saw last week against Clemson, that this team is a championship caliber team. doesn't mean we're going to win a championship. It means that we are of that caliber, that we have the potential to do that. Not every team, actually very few teams in the country can legitimately make that claim. And to me, this performance against UAB was just more reinforcement. It gives me more ammunition, more confidence when I say that this Georgia football team is a championship level team. We got to go out there and do it. We got to go out there and win all the football games. We know that. But we have the potential to do just that, and not many programs do. And you guys know, you heard me last week. I spent all last week telling you to respect UAB, that this was a good group of five team, 
that's used to winning. I told my buddies that too. And they all, just like most of you, I'm sure, I can't see you through the podcast, but I'm, I can kind of just visualize you in the car. You're probably just like all my buddies out there. You're rolling your eyes at me all week when I'm saying these things. And of course, as you can imagine, after the game, I had one of my friends text me to completely mock me. And uh, I think the text something like, I thought you said UAB was good. And yeah, I did. And yeah, they are good. That's my point here. I stand by everything I said about UAB. 49-point victory notwithstanding. I'm not backing off that. I'm not saying, oh, yeah, I was completely wrong. UAB sucks. They're terrible. UAB doesn't suck. UAB is not terrible. Yeah, they're outclassed. They're outmanned. They don't have our kind of talent, obviously. But that is a good group of five football team and will probably be right there for the Conference USA title yet again. They've won the title in their conference two of the last three years, played for the last three years. They've been bowling four years in a row since they restarted their program. That is a good team, guys. Not on our level if we play our game, clearly, as we saw, but that's a good football team. By the way, that Jacksonville State team that just walked into Tallahassee and beat Florida State, yeah, UAB beat them last week 31-0. And I know Florida State's not great. I'm not trying to make Florida State to be some world beater. They're not. I get that. But Florida State did also just push Notre Dame to overtime last week. Now, how good is Notre Dame? They almost lost to Toledo at home. So there's another argument there. But still, like UAB is a good football team. So this game, and, and I said this last week too. I, I wasn't trying to tell you that UAB was going to walk out there and beat us and we were on upset alert. It's, it's exactly what I told you. This game shouldn't have been close, and it wasn't. But if we screwed around and kind of slept walk through the game, like we have done at times in the past in these situations, remember Nickel State? I know that was a different situation, Curry's first year back in, back in 2016. But we've kind of slept walked through some of those games in the past. I know this wasn't Kirby, but go back to Georgia. Was it? Yeah, Georgia Southern. Was that 2015? Was it Rick's last year where we almost lost to them at home? I think like, it was his last year. Yeah, where we went to overtime. Or yeah, close to it, it was. Yeah, it was 2000. It was Lambert, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that game. It's, it's like so. Like I know that wasn't Kirby. I know that we we're far away away from that as a program right now. But as a fan, I'm shell shocked from those things. So I've I've seen it happen. So I'm just saying, like I've seen us walk, sleepwalk through games that against teams that we're just better than that we have so much more talent than, and those games are way closer than they should be. I've seen it happen before, and I thought UAB, and I still believe UAB, if we slept all through this game, was good enough to make it close, like some of those other games, the Nickel State, the Georgia Southern games. They were good enough to do that. All right, they were good enough to at least keep it close-ish, but. Of course, as we saw, that definitively did not happen. Why did it not happen? Because we were ready to play. What that tells me is this team is dialed in. This is a this was a hundred percent coming off the Clemson game last week. We put an entire offseason of focus into that game. This is a classic letdown spot. Many teams have let down here, but it did not happen. We have great player leadership. We have outstanding leadership from the coaching staff. And we also, by the way, here's another element to this. We did that to a what I still believe is a good UAB team. We destroyed them still without multiple starters on offense. And, oh, yeah, by the way, as we'll get to here in just a minute, starting a former walk-on, not a walk-on anymore, but once upon a time, a walk-on in Stetson Bennett at quarterback. So I know it's, quote, just UAB. And I, and I always caution, as I said the outset here, to I caution to not always draw definitive conclusions off of one game against a lesser opponent like this. But to me, this is just one more sign, not the only sign, but one more sign for me that we are the team that I think that we are. Obviously, a long way to go here. We are not a perfect team. We got things that we got to clean up like all teams do out there. We got to get healthy. But this is just one more sign to me, the way we just dominated a really good group of five team 
coming off a, an emotional high last week against Clemson without multiple starters, without our starting quarterback, and we just took it to them like that, a second largest margin of victory in Kirby Smart's tenure here in Athens, that just tells me that this team is, right now, they are who I think they are. And I got to keep doing it. Got to keep getting better. Got to get healthy. But I think this team is exactly the team I think that they are. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, Kurt. So that's the takeaway here, but we cannot go any longer here. I've- I've totally buried the lead here, man. Totally 100%. But we cannot go any longer without talking about the decision to start Stetson Bennett instead of Carson Beck. So it's weird. After lauding Carson Beck's progress going all the way back to spring practice through fall camp and straight up saying as recently, I think it's Tuesday in his press conference, that Carson was our number two quarterback, Kirby Smart decides to go with old faithful Stetson Bennett. We, you know, the word kind of leaked out a day or two before the game, so this wasn't a shock when it, when it actually happened. Uh, and just as he did last year in his first action off the bench, the mailman straight up delivered, this time in a huge way, going a ridiculous 10 of 12 for 288 yards, averaging 24 freaking yards per attempt, Five touchdowns, no picks, had touchdown passes of 73 yards, 89 yards, 61 yards, 12 yards, 9 yards. So, Kerr, obviously we got to talk about the quarterback situation from a couple different angles here, but I guess let's start here. What do you make of Kirby's decision to go with Stetson Bennett over Carson Beck? Um, You know, when I first heard it leaked, I kind of, I'll be honest, I wasn't happy. And my biggest thing is, because the fact is that UAB was a team we should beat. Um, it's not like we're playing another SEC opponent um, where we kind of were a little worried. And the fact is that with Stetson, we know what we're getting. And exactly what you saw Saturday is what I mean in that. Like, he's a reliable backup that can go out there and win you a game. He's not going to beat, you know, a top opponent like you saw against Alabama or even Florida last year when they were as good as they were. But the fact is he's going to give you a solid start, especially against a team like that. Um, and so I did want to see Carson Beck because I think he needs to be thrown to the fire a little bit. Um if he is who they all claim he is, we need to see him out there um, when the bullets fly. But I compl- I do understand it. Um, Stetson was that surefire thing, especially after such a slow offensive performance last week against a good opponent. I think fans and maybe the team, the fans would have been worried. The team may have started pressing a little bit if we go out there with Carson, who isn't fully up to the challenge or just situated at the moment that I could understand um, 
the feeling if we went out there and kind of stalled out the first couple of drives. So I do get that. But Stetson was, like I said, what we expected. And I think also good that goes into it is that Coach Monken just called up a great game and got people open. And we capitalized on it. We made the plays when they were there to be made. Yeah, that's a great breakdown there. I understand why you, Curtis, you said you were a little upset, a little frustrated when you when you kind of heard the news leak out that it was going to be Stetson. And I know a lot of people were. I mean, if you guys are on any message boards out there, if you have friends, you talk about this, maybe you yourself were one of those people that were very upset. If you're on any kind of social media, you know the narrative out there. We all know what the narrative is right now about Kirby Smart in general with his quarterback history, whether it's going back with Jake Fromm and, and Jacob Eason and then Jake Fromm and Justin Fields and the whole quarterback saga last year with Newman and then – uh, obviously, Juwan Mathis and then Stetson and then JT. It all, we all know there's just a history there. And so the narrative is out there, but Kirby Smart does, just can't handle the quarterback position. And that's been like his fatal flaw, right? So this was just like one more like little bit of fuel to that fire. And so people are – anytime you talk about Kirby Smart making a decision when it comes to quarterbacks, if it's not in line with exactly what people think he should do, then he's going to get murdered for it because he's got that history there. So people were had the pitchforks out ready to crucify me. And I had a buddy tell me if – like I think it was Thursday when we were starting to leak out that Stetson was going to start. Uh, he said something on the lines of like, I swear to God, if Stetson Bennett starts, I'm done with Kirby. I'm done with it. And I'm like, I mean, huh? Okay, I mean, weren't you just praising how good he was last week when we beat Clemson, you know, that season opened? But now because he might start Stetson Bennett, that means you're done with him as a coach. I think, and I, but I do understand the frustration there because we've been told all offseason long that Carson Beck has made all this progress and he had a good performance at G Day. And Kirby himself, and Kirby, I will say, he's not doing himself any favors. Like, Curtis, when he comes out and says during the week of, uh, of, of practice here going to UAB that Carson Beck is our number two quarterback and then he starts somebody else. In some ways, is he kind of just not doing himself favors there? It's, yes, especially because by the time that he said that statement, I believe it was on a Tuesday, and that was when the coaches at that point at least knew about the oblique injury with JT. So it's not like you went out there and had no clue that JT may not be playing. Yeah, Kirby said in his post-game press conference, if you guys didn't hear it, that like Monday he didn't really know anything was wrong with JT. He was out there practicing. Things were fine. Then Tuesday it was certainly bothering him, and he was out there practicing throwing, but it was clear it wasn't, something wasn't right. Same kind of same thing Wednesday. And then Stetson said that he was told Thursday morning that Kirby sat down with him and Carson and told them who was going to start on Thursday morning. So I didn't know, I guess they hadn't necessarily made the decision on Tuesday, but I mean, I guess you can change your, I mean, the, the coach does have the right to change his mind between Tuesday and Thursday. I Sure. Of course. And it really worked out, but like, I would just say Kirby, like what I would, instead of just come out definitively saying that Carson Beck's our number two quarterback, when you're, when you're clearly not hundred percent sure about that, it might just to do, just to kind of help yourself out and, and to maybe, like take away some of the headaches for yourself because people are going to kill you for that rightly or wrongly. They're going to, you're going to get killed for that, especially by the media members out there. It probably just been it kind of would behooved him, right? Just be like, Hey, it's a competition out there. We'll, we'll see how they, cause he says it's about every other position. We'll see how they practice and whoever practices better will play. It's what he said after the game too. Cause someone asked him about it after the game. He's like, you know what? There's going to be an ongoing competition and battle between these two for the backup spot going forward. Like, I feel like that's how he may have should have handled it before. Yeah. Like, I don't think that it's like, to me personally, I don't think the decision to start Stetson Bennett was a bad, bad decision. I think in, like, I know you can say in retrospect, like, obviously it worked out. We had this incredible game, but even without knowing that he was going to have this ridiculous game, 24 yards to an attempt, just throwing balls all, just throwing dimes everywhere. I think it was the right decision. And here's why I think it was the right decision. Okay. As I said, I do, I do respect UAB. I, I obviously we are more. You're right, Curtis. Like we should not lose UAB. It the game should not be close, and it wasn't. 
But you can't, like, if, if you start a guy who's never played before in that game, and, and here's the other thing, you have all these other starters out, a lot of young guys, a lot of inexperience out there. And then you throw in a guy who hasn't played before, I think it's just safer. This is a team that Kirby definitely respected, like I did. He just at least respected them. And as a coach, you've got to. It's safer to go, go with a guy to at least start the game who you know that you can rely on, who has, who has you have verifiable evidence that he has won games like this. He's won SEC games. Maybe not Alabama, but he's won games against Auburn and Tennessee, uh, against Arkansas. He's won games like that, all right? So I think it's safe to go with him, and then you can work in Beck like we did. I don't have a problem with that decision. I know some people do, and I, and I get what you're saying, Curtis. I think what you're trying to allude to essentially is like, hey, Carson Beck has a higher ceiling than Stetson Bennett long-term, so if something goes bad with JT and he gets, he's out for, God, I mean, God, I don't even want to say it. Like something long-term happens injury-wise, we'd be better in better shape if Carson Beck with his ceiling is ready to play. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, more or less. Like, you need to see him out there with the bullets flying. Like I said, you know what you're going to get with Stetson. Like, when you go back to last year when he bailed us out, the fact is he had barely taken any reps that year, but he came in there and was able to bail us out. And that's because who he is. But the fact is we don't know who Beck is. Like I said, that was my feeling ahead of time. Like, I'm with you. Like, it was the right decision. But ahead of time, I'm like, we need to truly see what Beck can do in this situation. And I will say, I was kind of torn on this. Um I did feel like going like once you started to hear the Stetson like you know he might be the one that goes out there. I felt like a sense of like relief, like confidence. Not that I was like concerned with Beck. Like I thought, oh my god, we're in, we're in trouble now. But it's like you just there's that a little bit of that unknown there. And I again, I, I did think UAB was a solid team, and if they played really good defense, been top three and de- or top ten in defense nationally for three years in a row, like that's a tough spot for a, a young quarterback to go into. He's never played at all at the college level. With a bunch of his starters out, a lot of guys inexperienced out there, moving things around the offensive line. So, like, I, I felt a sense of kind of calm when I was like, okay, yeah, it's probably gonna be Stetson. But there was also like this kind of gnawing sense of like, man, a little bit of frustration. Like, I'd love to see Beck. You know, I really want to see is this guy the guy that we think he can be? You know, is he is he that kind of player? So I was kind of torn both ways. So I totally see people who I get why you'd be frustrated, but I also don't think that means it wasn't the right decision that Kirby made here. So because I think in the in the immediate short term. It was the right decision, pretty clearly, especially with how it worked out. And you guys, got, you have to understand, guys, that's Kirby's MO right now. That, that's Just look at what this guy has done and his career as a head coach. He is hyper-focused on the now when you're talking about winning games. And I guess as a coach, you kind of have to be, right? But like in his mind, he's like, okay, what, what gives me the best chance to win this football game? And to him, it was Stetson Bennett. And I think that was the right choice. If you're focused on just winning this one football game, I think Stetson Bennett starting was the right answer. And it turned out to be exactly the right answer. But if you're talking down the line there, and it's like, okay, well, if we have to go with with another quarterback besides JT long term, who gives us a better chance to win some of these bigger games against the better opponents on our schedule? Is it Stetson or is it Carson Beck, who has a higher ceiling but just needs the reps, needs the confidence? And so maybe you kind of you throw him out there in the fire, like you said, Curtis, and you on some level let him go through the the, the bumps and the bruises. And he had, he had that pick six, which was a terrible throw. By the way, it was just a bad, I mean, bad decision. But you you got to be able to make those kind of mistakes. But he did end up playing a lot. Um, but I'm okay with it. I'm actually, I think it was the right decision here and, um, hopefully JT's back this week. We'll see, but, um, all right, let's move on here. So now that we know that JT's dealing with an oblique injury, which of course is pretty vague. It's the oblique area. What, how severe, what exactly what, you know, who knows, but he supposedly he was cleared to play. He could have gone, but he wasn't hundred percent. So we decided to hold him out. But who knows? I, you just don't know what's going on. Kirby's very kind of you know secretive about what goes on behind the scenes with injuries. Um, but I and look, I absolutely 100% hope 
This is not the case. And I absolutely 100% do not think it's the case. Let me be clear there. But let's just say for the sake of argument, Curtis, just for the sake of this question, the massive what if here, because JT does have, I mean, a, a little bit of an injury history here. If, massive if here, if Stetson had to be the guy the rest of the way because of JT being injured and it being more of a severe injury than we thought, what does that do to your expectations for Georgia ceiling this season? Um, to me, it'd be the same old, same old. The fact is we probably win the East and go to the championship game, but you're not going to compete against Alabama with Stetson at quarterback. It's as simple as that. He can't make some of those big plays, especially – um, when you need them against a faster, more athletic team, as you saw against Alabama last year, the guy started pressing and just absolutely could not do it. Yet people were open all day. Plays were there to be made. He couldn't make them. And uh, I think it'd be same old, same old when it got to big, big game situation because he, as good as he is, he has his limitations. And that, what are those limitations? Limitations because he, he he pushed the ball down the field well against UAB. Obviously UAB. What limitations yeah, that's do you against teams game? that don't have the? He, he just he, his arm isn't there. And he, the fact is he can't make these plays against some more athletic teams. Um, you even think back to Tennessee and Auburn. Yeah, we won those games, but there were times where we were pressing that we had to make some of those plays happen. Um, and those touchdowns, I mean, you think back to that Tennessee game where he throws touchdown to Karras and, and things like that, but they weren't great throws. Um, you got bailed out, especially if those teams weren't at the top of their game. But when you go out against teams like what you saw against Alabama, and their defense wasn't even clicking truly when we played them, and yet – he couldn't do anything. He made a couple good throws, but other than that, he he definitely lost you the game the way he played. He does have he he did have a, t- a tough time at times last year making throws in those tighter windows. As you're saying, he playing better athletes, better defenses when those windows get tighter. He did struggle there at times. Um, was pressing at times and missed some open receivers. Just didn't take checkdowns at times, and it was almost like trying to force things. Uh, but maybe he's gotten better if he, as he gets more experience. So let's not forget, Stetson was an experience I mean, himself last think, year. Like what we saw Saturday too, though, was like. If he didn't make the plays, then why are you even a quarterback on at Georgia? Like the fact that those guys are wide open, and even you think back to the throw to Arian Smith, Aaron Smith was that open, but he had to really readjust and come back to that ball. But think about how many you're right. I'm not saying you're wrong that those guys are wide open, but layups aren't always layups. So you're talking about 60 yards down the field. Think well, about yeah, some of the fact times is you'd rather throw. you'd rather overthrow them, but against you, I think against a more athletic team where there's not that much of a window, you can't underthrow someone like that. You can't. Oh, no, you can't underthrow. I'm just saying, like, think about all the times that guys run wide open the field and grill, pass and not hit them at all. JT. Yeah, but people want to grill JT for when he makes those throws, and yet it's okay, like, to say, "Oh, we can do that with Stetson doing the same thing," and even though he's nowhere near as athletic. Yeah. Well, I think Stetson. You think you don't think Stetson's as, as athletic? Well, no, JT? but I'm, I'm talking about as a quarterback when it comes to okay. arm strength and those things that you need to do. He doesn't have the same thing. Yeah, he can he run some, but tool. as okay. you say, yeah, he doesn't have the physical tools. If you want to get on JT, like, oh, he underthrows, are we gonna change that things? Then what are you gonna do with Stetson, who doesn't even have close to the arm? You saw it against Auburn last year. Times he tried to take a deep shot, like really deep shot, and still underthrew the guy tremendously. See, I think that's. Yeah, I think Stetson has a. Pr- I think he has a pretty good arm. I think he, you're right about the underthrows. Like there were some underthrows last year, uh, maybe a, a little bit, I guess, in, in this game against UAB. But I, I don't think a ton. But last year there were some chances. But I don't know if that's like necessarily an arm thing or if it's just like you know putting it out there and you just underthrow it. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, he did underthrow some guys. I'll say this. Look, I I'm with you on the Alabama thing. Like our expectations, our goals are win titles here, and I don't. I, I, I would be lying to you if I said, like, if Stetson had to be the guy long-term, that those goals take a little bit of a hit. 
if Stetson has to be our well, quarterback. Another thing with Stetson, too, is I don't trust him to not throw the ball. He has that gunslinger mentality where there's times you have to pocket it, yeah. and I don't trust yeah. him to make the right decision when it comes to that. Like, it gets yeah, close he, to he one kick, but there could, have been, there could have been more throws where things happen. Stetson out there being the gunslinger is going to try to just make something happen because he's so desperate to try to make it and, and seize his opportunity that that actually can cost the team in the, in the game. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Well, I mean, I just can't get the Alabama game out of from last year out of my mind. Like he played really well. He did in the first half for the most part. Missed a couple throws. There was actually some left some points on the field. The second half was obviously a, a train wreck. It was a disaster. So it's just tough for me to get that game out of my mind. And Alabama's defense is better this year. I'll say this. I I think Stetson, I, I think we could be Alabama with Stetson at quarterback. I think it certainly reduces the likelihood that we would be Alabama with Stetson at quarterback. You have to play a perfect. You have to play a perfect yes. game, and it's as simple as yes. that. Yes, I, exactly. So I'm just saying, like, I don't think it's impossible that we could be Alabama with Stetson. It certainly reduces our likelihood that that would happen. But I, I think that we are good enough in other places, especially once we get healthy. That Stetson's good enough to give us a chance. It's just not as good of a chance as I think if JT was there. That kind of brings us to the next question, Curtis. Um, I think JT could be ready to go as early as next week against South Carolina. But Curtis, I don't know if you actually heard the replay with Mark Jones in RG3, if you heard their call. And then you also, listen, I know you listen to Kirby's post game press conference, but clearly media members are already doing what they do and they are trying to generate another quarterback controversy in Athens. RG3, point blank during the broadcast, I was watching on the, on the replay today, questioned if JT Daniels, quote, fit into our plans now after this performance by Stetson. And then, good old, God bless him, good old Chip Towers did his very best in his questions to both Stetson Bennett and Kirby to get them to go on the record uh, in their post-game press conferences to say something that will like, give him some juicy quote for the quarterback controversy article that he so clearly wants to write. So, Curtis... We've kind of already addressed it, but let's just do it more directly here. Let me just ask you, after this performance, and it was a hell of a performance by Stetson Bennett. Love the guy. Crazy good performance. But do we have another quarterback controversy in Athens? Absolutely no. He didn't He didn't do anything out there that JT couldn't have. I mean, maybe the, the run on third down or something, but the guys were wide open. If he didn't hit them, like I said, he shouldn't even have been at Georgia. RG3, he started off his career well, ended it well at Baylor. But when you're relegated the second, third string, you're cheering for that guy. Like he probably thinks when he goes out there in backup duty and mop-up duty and does well that he should be the the heir apparent quarterback all of a sudden. You know, I thought he was calling a great game until he started on all that, and I just had to mute it because between the two of them, it was an absolute joke. Um, yeah, I thought he did actually a good job calling the game a, too on the replay, but just that that point was like, until huh? Then, what? Until, until he until he started trying to create the controversy, and I just thought yeah. that was it. Just it just became outlandish. Um, but that's what they do. Um, it's what announcers do. They try to start the whole thing, and it was an absolute joke because the fact is, um, JT took over last year. The team they put up the numbers, and yet they they totally glossed over how more explosive our offense became. We scored more points, and and they just totally glossed over that. And the fact is, we went through a uh, spring practice, went through a fall camp. JT is the un- unchallenged leader and quarterback of that team. There has never been a question of who the quarterback is. And that's why I think it's an absolute joke. There's, it, if anything, the challenge, the, the, the only competition you've seen since the season ended last year is who's going to be our number two quarterback. That's the only competition there's ever been. Jake, like I said, Stetson is good. He can run. He can do these things. But he's just not JT. The fact is that JT gives us a lot better shot to win those big games when we need it. And the fact that they're trying to drum up stuff, of course, you see Chip Towers. I mean, that's been his whole career, especially with Kirby. Kirby, Did Um, you see Kirby was having none of it? 
Well, that, like I told you, Kirby came up with that comment and said, you know, there's going to be a competition for, for the seconds. Pretty much saying there's going to be a, a competition to see who the secondary quarterback is. Pretty much shutting it down completely. Yeah, and I mean, when Kirby also like straight up said, like, I mean, I know you guys are just trying to write articles so you can get all your media attention. Like, you just call him an attention whore, basically. It's like, oh, okay. and him and well, that's Chip what I'm saying. And that's exactly that. what that's exactly what RG three did. And I just thought it was poor reporting because you're over here trying to create controversy. And instead of just letting the guy enjoy his moment, it, you tried to create something more than it was. And and that's also how you create. Like, I know people love competition, but you also can't have that. That can be cancerous to a team. At that position, especially quarterback, is this just it's the leadership role of that position? It's just it's tough to kind of go back and forth there, it really. Is like there's a reason why two quarterback systems generally don't work because you don't really, it's not because like you guys can't both contribute. It's like you need to have a leader out there, you know, the team needs to have that voice on the field and you got to have that quarterback. Um, that's I, I don't have much to add to that, Curry. She did a great job breaking that down. Like, I, I'll just say, I love Stetson Bennett. I love this guy. We are so lucky to have him. And I don't want to say anything to tear him down right now because this guy deserves all the praise that he's that he got after his performance yesterday. I mean, just think about this, guys. I'm not like coming off the bench call. This guy's basically not even getting, getting getting reps with the ones that practice again. And he comes out and does that. Um, but you're right, Chris. I will also say a lot of that was a function of the way that UAB was playing us defensively. They played us far more aggressively than Clemson did. They actually they played us the way I thought Clemson would play us, but the way Clemson traditionally plays teams. Um, so that create opportunities for us to hit some of those throws on the field. And you're right. Those guys are running. I mean, Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith, Brock Bowers, those three long touchdown passes, those guys. I mean, I don't know if you could have asked a coordinator to drop a guy more wide open than each of those three guys, those three catches, but they were there. And I will say Stetson made the throws because we've had quarterbacks in the past that have not hit those throws. Stetson made the throws. Yeah, Stetson like I said, we, exec- the guy. we executed the place when they were there to be made. Like that's all yeah. you can ask for, but that doesn't mean you're the right. unquestioned. You should be the leader when you hit someone that's wide open. Right. People are, what people are doing, comparing JT against Clemson to Stetson versus UAB when it was an entirely different game plan. Like Clemson had an entirely different game plan to, to defend us than UAB did. And obviously they have a lot more talent there. Although UAB is very good on defense, but it, it, it's just apples to oranges. Like, and I, I agree with what you said. You said it very well. If JT was in that game yesterday, I think he probably does very similar things to what Stetson did if they were playing that way. Now, I will say, I don't know if UAB would have played us like that if JT was the starter. You know what I mean, Curtis? Like, I think part of it was like they just didn't yeah, think Stetson could I also do it. Think, I also think back to last year, um, JT comes in the very first game. We didn't want to ask him to throw the ball 40 times over 400 yards, but we did, and he still went out there and did that. And and those guys weren't wide open every time. He had to make those big-time throws. And I like I, I made that point. You know, I made the remark last year at that time that if that had been Stetson Bennett, I don't know if we win because you saw how bad Stetson played against Kentucky that we conceded to just go to a run game because we did not know if we could get out of that if we had to go to a true passing attack. Yeah, it's uh, a great point. I, I'll, I'll just say this about Stetson. Again, we are very, very lucky to have him, but JT to me is the starting quarterback if he's healthy, if he's 100% healthy, Okay. Yes, Stetson Bennett did some really good things. But let's also not forget, Curtis, remember what happened to our offensive numbers the last four weeks of the season when JT Daniels became our starting quarterback? They skyrocketed across the board. Yeah, across the board. And like I said, that's the, thing that, that's the thing that all of a sudden, you know, RG3 and people just totally glossed over. They put up the stat. And he's like, oh, yeah, you see when JT was in, they, they did all that better. But then he went right back to hammering the stat. That, well, just like in that game, he was like, I don't even get – I don't like this rotating of the quarterbacks. You shouldn't even put in Carson Beck. Like the fact is, Stetson's a fifth-year senior. He's gone. Like we – and 
you're talking about his limitations and yeah, he's over there getting mad because we're trying to get this, this freshman who has no game experience, who we might, like you mentioned, God forbid JT goes down. He may be the guy that gives us a better win. And we had to hear how Kirby shouldn't even be doing that. Yeah. I it's that, that was certainly frustrating, but like right now to me, as far as I'm concerned, we do not have a quarterback controversy. JT is our starting quarterback. Stetson's the guy right now until JT's healthy. Once JT's healthy, then I think he, he's got to be the guy who gives us a higher ceiling. We, we, had, we have the evidence. We saw it last year. Now I know you can say, well, it's going to South Carolina. It was against Missouri. Okay. We also played a really this good – This is UAB. Exactly. This is UAB. We played a really good Cincinnati defense. I know they had some starters out on defense. We had some starters out on offense, okay? We, he, our numbers went up across the board. I mean, literally across the board. Pretty significantly. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now. I've read them to you many, many times throughout the past couple months. Uh, I'm going to try to pull them up later on, I guess. But JT's a guy. Our ceiling is higher with him at quarterback. And uh, I don't – I just – to me, it's not really a question. But the media – Well, like you mentioned, uh, Kirby shut it down. Yeah, oh, Kirby shut it down. Absolutely, Kirby shut it down. And really, that's all that matters in the, the day. But I, what, what just frustrates me is Kirby's just an easy target when it comes to quarterback position. It's just low-hanging fruit because – he already, like I said, he already has that history. So any like the media members are just like sharks out there, and it's like blood in the water. When any, anything like this, any kind of there's adversity at all at the quarterback position, they're just ready to like pounce on Kirby, and that's exactly what Chip Towers is doing. I just don't have a lot of respect for it. Um, all right, so that's a that's a lot of quarterback talk. We got a couple more things to talk about, so let's move on here. Um, all right, so let's stick with the offense just for a little bit here. Uh, we obviously struggled to do anything on offense against Clemson. Uh, we had what, 256 total yards in that game, 135 yards passing, only 4.5 yards per attempt. But this week it was, as we've been talking about, like watching a different team offensively. 539 total yards in offense. We could have put about 700 if we wanted to. Uh, 376 yards passing total between the two quarterbacks, 17.1 yards per attempt between the two. And we came out stretching the field from the get-go. I um, mean, the mailman was leading a veritable aerial circus out there. So, Kurt, you kind of alluded to this. Let's talk about it a little bit more here in detail. Why were we able to have so much success throwing the football against a very good UAB defense? Well, the fact is they brought the house um, almost everything. They were stacking the box, and we just opened it up. I mean, it, the guys were open because of the plays. We had a lot of one-on-one coverage, and they had the miscommunication. To go back to the Brock Bowers play, the um, – I believe it was the cornerback or this, I can't remember the cornerback or the safety, but the one went with the wide receiver running the, uh, yep. you know, the route out of the backfield. And well, they were man coverage. We did the play action play where we did the, we did the fake toss and the cornerback bit on the toss and he had Bowers man to man and Bowers and he just didn't take Bowers. Bowers running wide open down the field. Yeah. It's as simple as that. They pressed us and we left us in a lot of man on man coverage. And let's be honest, when you have one-on-one coverage against Clemson or someone, there's going to be balls that can go either way, but that's not against UAB. One-on-one coverage, our guys should not have trouble, and that's exactly what you saw. They just were not athletic enough to stay with us in a one-on-one coverage. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I think the calculus for UAB defensively was like, okay, well, George has a lot of their starters out on on offense. They don't have George Pickens. They don't have Kiaris Jackson. Jermaine Burton's kind of healthy, not exactly. No Darnell Washington, no – no uh, starting quarterback. Well, I guess you have a starting quarterback. You don't have JT Daniels. You have Stetson Bennett back there. So they just – I think they they thought there was a chance that we might not be able to stretch them vertically. And they, uh, after what they saw against Clemson, I, I guess I kind of get that. And they thought – they figured that we'd probably lean on the run game with Stetson coming out there. And we said, uh, we'll just do what we have to do to win games. And you're right. Like, we did what we had to do against Clemson to win that football game. Clemson was not giving us opportunities to throw the ball down the field, guys. They were playing a lot of quarters coverage, but it was a very, very soft quarters coverage. They were not buying on play action. You could clearly tell their safeties were instructed, do not bite off of that. Don't give them that. UAB, like that first touchdown pass to Jermaine Burton, if you're watching on TV, I guess you didn't get to see that because I guess they were still showing the game before that. I was still Pitt, Tennessee, I guess. Um, but 
the uh, that that touch on Pastor Dwayne Burton, they were playing the same coverage that that Clemson was playing against us most of the night last weekend. They were playing quarters coverage, and quarters coverage basically it's like it's basic, it's cover four, but it's basically man coverage. If the number two receivers you count from the outside in, number one receiver is the guy close to the sideline, number two is the next guy in, right? So Jermaine Burton was the number two receiver. The safety has him man on man if number two goes vertical in quarters coverage, and that's what UAB was playing on that on that on that snap, and that's what Clemson was playing most of the night against us. But what happened on that side was a play-action pass, and that safety bit on the play fake. And Jermaine just got past him and outran him, and Stetson put it on him, and it's a long touchdown. So they were just playing much more aggressive against our offense than what Clemson was, which is they honestly, like I said earlier, they were playing the way I thought Clemson would play. So that's the way Clemson plays pretty much everybody. But Clemson did not do that because Nolan Turner wasn't back there, and they had some issues in the secondary. So they just kind of played it a little bit softer. And we took what we had to against Clemson. We did the, the quick pass game, screen game, all that kind of stuff. And it, it didn't wasn't always pretty, but it worked. In this game, we took what they gave us. They were trying to take away the run. They gave us the, the vertical shots. We took them, we hit them, and we destroyed them with that. It's it's really that simple when it comes down to it. So, I mean, give our guys credit. Receivers made plays. Tess made plays. I thought Tom Muffin called a great game. And I think and the people, he was getting criticized a lot after last week. And I understand why it wasn't a great offensive showing numbers-wise, stat-wise, which is what people always want to look at. But I think he's done a really good job of taking what defense are giving us. I thought I will say that last week again, Clemson gave us the run, and we should have run it more than we did last week. But I'm kind of nitpicking there. It's a great performance all the way around. So offensively, very very nice to see that after um, not so much success with the air in week one. So those passing fireworks, they were awesome, Curtis. No doubt about it. It was certainly a sight for sore eyes in a lot of ways. But we definitely did not run the football like we wanted to or expected to. 163 yards on 38 attempts, 4.3 yards per rush. Not terrible, but not what we generally want against a group of five team. So I know this is nitpicking a little bit here after a 49-point victory, but what did you make of the difficulty we had getting much going on the ground? Um, well, I'm going to start off by saying I stand by my past remarks that Justin Schaefer just should not be a starting guard on this team. Um, <laughs> You're I think all that, over that years now. Well, between our center and our guards, they were terrible. And the fact is, you go back and watch a lot, a lot of those replays, especially the one where James Cook somehow magically makes it into that the touchdown. Justin Schaefer's not blocking anyone. He's literally just standing there watching James Cook fight through all those arm tackles to get into the end zone. Literally not blocking an absolute soul. He just got bailed out by James Cook not being going down with his arm tackles. Um, but even then, Cedric Van Pran, the, 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 it was the third down and short where we tried to go on a quick, uh, you know, almost going like a quick count, trying to pick up the, the, on the third down and two, I believe it was third down two, with James Cook running it real quickly to get it. Cedric Van Pran didn't block anyone. He, he's like looking back confused when he pulls or, or whatever it was. The fact is between him, Warren Erickson, and Justin Schaefer, they were abysmal. The interior of the offensive line was just not good at all. I, it just you're right about that. It, it simply was not good enough. Now I will say in their defense, again UAB was playing us much more aggressively. There were some run blitzes, run stunts. They were putting more guys in the box, rolling safeties down, all the stuff that you, that we traditionally see when teams, teams try to take away the run. That's how teams play us because we like to run the football. That's just what we see. But like, we've seen that a lot, Curtis. Right, and we deal with that well, on that, a weekend weekend basis usually. That's my point, like, especially someone like Justin Schaefer, who's, what, fifth or sixth year, super senior now, whatever you want to call it. The fact is he, he's been years around years long enough that, that like, you know, like you said, you know that people are going to do that because that's what they do to us. And the fact that you're still sitting there confused, not sure who to block, that's embarrassing. There's no excuse. Like Van Pran, okay, he played terrible. 
the fact is this is really his first year round, you know, first couple games really starting. And especially at guard, the other guard position, you lose a guy who you've been practicing with all fall camp and Tate Ratledge. But the fact is that Justin Schaefer has been there. He's done this for the last couple of years. And the fact is there's no excuse. I think Schaefer's up and down. I think he has really good games. He has games where it's like, are you like, is there something else going on in your well, head? That's the thing. Like, he has his here? up and downs where he does really well blocking, but his downs are, they are down. Yeah. I, I, I think that's fair. And, and when Ward Erickson fair. too, he shouldn't be at our guard position. The fact is he was pretty, pretty bad overall. I thought Xavier Trust, when we put him in there at guard position, actually did better than what you saw to Warren Erickson. Because when we moved Erickson to center, when we started going to the second group, he was still blocking very poorly. Yeah, um, we did not get any movement. No, or not, I shouldn't say any. Not enough movement, up front, especially in the interior. And you're right about Warren Erickson. I, I think Warren has value. I think he's good at center for us. So we don't necessarily need you to be a road grader at center. Uh, but at guard, you kind of need that Ben Cleveland-type guy to get some movement there. And you can you can get away with having a guy that doesn't get a ton of movement at center, but you need to have guys at guard that can kind of compensate for that. And when you're basically playing two centers, you got you got Cedric Van Pran at center, and then you've got Arison at right guard. You're just not going to get a ton of movement there. Those they aren't those kind of guys. On those big physical guys, that's concerning to me. I think, I honestly think we need to get Jamari Salyer on the interior. And I, I it, it, to me, it comes down to is Broderick Jones ready to take over left tackle? Who, who do we have more confidence? Is it Warren Erickson at, at right guard or Broderick Jones at left tackle? Because if we have confidence in, in Broderick Jones at left tackle, then we can slide Salyer inside. And I feel a lot better about I'll, that. I'll but. say this. I know I know it was in limited reps against UAB. I was very impressed with Marius Mims out there. I, I saw some good things. I saw something like he got – there was a guy that cut inside him on one run play and another one on a pass play. But, but you're right. There were plenty of reps that were really good. First, first, like, real game action, I thought he played well. Yeah, for the first – and the guy missed some practice with back spasms, I believe, is what you heard. So the fact is, for someone who had truly practiced a lot in the fall, I thought he came out there and saw a lot of good from him. But I, I agree that we have to get Salyer in on the inside. And the fact is, we can't keep put, putting this lineup out there um, with that as it is, because we know going forward that that's not good enough to win those, like, to consistently win against those big teams. And the fact is that we're going to have to get the other, get Jones or someone else in there and try to get them some reps and get them in there before you need them against someone like Florida and Kentucky and Missouri. Yeah, and Broderick Jones got in there at left tackle. I don't know if you guys saw this in the first quarter. He got in there in the first quarter. Maybe the third drive, third series, maybe. I believe it was early. the very first drive that we put back in. You saw him also come in. Yeah, I think that yeah, I think it was yeah, I think it was the third drive. Yeah. So I mean, and Kirby was very adamant last week when he was asked about him. He's like, no, he's ready. Like he's he's ready to go right now. So we'll see. Like, strength of the point of attack is still kind of Broderick's issue. He's an incredibly good athlete, but he got injured last year and got set back from the strength standpoint. So he's still trying to build that up. So if if he can just get good from that perspective and get to the point where the coaches trust in there. I think that makes our offensive line better. We'll see. But yeah, there was, some, I mean, it was certainly a function of, of how UAB was playing us. I mean, if they're going to play us that aggressively, it's going to be tougher to run the ball. They have more guys in the box. Sometimes when there's, when there's more defenders in the box, which we see a lot, it's and there are things you can do to, to kind of counteract that. You've also get, you got to get to the right run play. That's why here's you talk about like quarterbacks getting the team into quote, the right run play. What they're saying by that is, running away from where the extra guy is, the unblocked defender. Because we see a lot of unblocked defenders in the box traditionally, but we still have success around the football because you just got to figure out you have to have a guy at quarterback. I know people will say, well, Jay Fromm is a game manager, but what do game managers do? They get you in the right run play. So we got to do a better job of that. But sometimes it can be tough when there's unblocked defenders that just uh, can kind of knife in there and make the play. But there were too many times where we just weren't getting moving against a team that is good defensively and they stopped the run well, but they're just out, man. We, we, it shouldn't have been that difficult to run the football, even if they're trying to uh, – to get those guys in the box.
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, so that's the offense. Let's transition here for the next few minutes to the defensive side of the ball. And guys, like we, we've all seen this. I'm not telling you anything that you clearly do not already know, but this defense through two games has been straight up nasty, giving up 1.5 points per game. Still have not given up a defensive touchdown. 64.5 rush yards a game, 112 and a half yards passing each game, and 3.3 yards per play. That's just dominance personify. I know it's only two weeks, but that's as good as it gets through two weeks. So there isn't much to be said here because it was another one of those dominant performances at the end of the day. I know they did score seven points, but the defense yet again pitched a shutout and held them to 174 total yards, including only 47 passing yards, 2.8 yards per attempt. But they did have a little bit of success running the football on Saturday, certainly more than Clemson did. You know, Clemson ran for six feet against us. Uh, But the Blazers managed 127 yards and 3.5 yards per rush. Now, most defenses would be ecstatic about that defensive stat line, but it's all relative. We have higher expectations here in Athens, especially against a group of five team. So, Kurt, why did we have, I guess I would say, more issues stopping the run this week? And is this something that we should be worried about moving forward a little bit? Um, I think the biggest thing really is the fact of we were more – rotating more across our defensive line. I think that was the biggest thing. You didn't see Devontae Wyatt out there as much. He didn't um, play at all. Jordan Dave, Yeah, Jordan Davis played some, but not as much. Like The fact is we were out there trying to get more guys reps, and I think that had more to do with it because that's really where we were getting gashed was more at our the line of scrimmage, and I think that was more about the rotation. Yeah, you're right. We definitely were rotating a lot more guys in there. Kirby was clearly trying to get those guys some experience. Because defensive line in the SEC can be tough, man. Guys go down with injuries. We saw Jordan Davis, knock on wood, saw him go down last year. Hope it doesn't happen again this year. But um, you're that big, sometimes it can happen. You just fall the wrong way. But, yeah, we were rotating a lot of guys in there. I would like to see them – even the guys that don't play a lot, I'd like to see them maybe play a little bit better against the run. But that that was certainly a, a big part of it. I also – like, even on some level, though, I would say even the guys are out there – like. Yes, when Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter were out there together, UAB was not having much success on the ground. But there were a couple plays, even like when Jordan Davis, and there was one play in particular where they were running outside zone. And Jordan, I don't know, I don't know what Jordan, I love Jordan. Jordan's incredible, probably the best player on the team. But he ran straight up field on the outside zone, created a natural cutback lane for the running back. And it's one of those big running, running plays. I think they hit for about 10, 15 yards. And that against Clemson, like, we weren't doing those kind of things. Just undisciplined play. We were not doing that against Clemson. So it's almost like you kind of let down. Well, a little like, bit. I believe there was a there was a play where Jalen Carter, I think, had a guy to tackle and just kind of whipped on it. So we weren't yeah. as sh- I didn't, I don't think we tackled as well either across the board. I think was a big thing. Yeah, exactly. I think we outmanned them. We outclassed them defensively. I don't think we were as sharp from a technical standpoint and from like a discipline standpoint as we were against Clemson. Like we we were just better than Clemson's offensive line. Sure, we we're more talented, but we also played really smart football up front. We did we did things the right way. Our run fits were really good. Um, 
not, not to say there weren't mistakes in that game. There were a few, but there were just more of those kind of like undisciplined mistakes in this game. And that's almost, and that's kind of one thing I was talking about like with UAB, like coming to a game like this, I was telling you guys to respect them because that's usually what you see from teams like Georgia and games like this is like, they just don't play it discipline because like you you prepare the right way and you, you say all the right things, but when you come out there, it's like, oh, it's UAB. It's not Clemson. So sometimes you kind of just freelance a little bit. Like Jordan Davis was doing that one play. And so, like, yeah, it's a combination of that kind of stuff. Plus, as you said, we're rotating a lot more. I don't. I would not draw any definitive conclusions from this um, at all. I think that we're going to be one of the, if not the best teams in the country, stopping the run throughout the rest of the season, just like we have been the past couple of years. So we've got the linebackers. We've got the defensive front. If, and they, we're playing SEC teams when the game's tight or whatever. We're not going to be rotating near as much. So when we, our guys are healthy and when we've got our starters out there, and like you said, Devontae White didn't even play. It's a starting defensive tackle. So I think we'll be just fine. Uh, I, I think we should just – I would say certainly caution – I would caution people to – not get too upset about the rushing yards. I know, like we we pride ourselves on holding teams under 100 yards, especially a group of five team like UAB. But certainly not cause for alarm yet at this point, just based on this one game. But uh, all right, guys, it's time for our game balls. Obviously, we have a lot of players to talk about when we do these recap shows, and it's just hard, guys. We really can't talk about every single one of them on one episode. But this game ball segment is a good way to kind of highlight the best performances of the week. And then we will discuss more players on the mailbag episode later on this week. But Curtis, I'm going to let you go first there, man. Who gets your first game ball? Um, well, I'll go offense. And I'm going to leave the guy I figure who you will go with, one of your favorite players on offense. So I'm going to go Stetson. Um, you know, I was a little hard on him at the beginning of the show. But the fact is the guy, and it, it was not personal. It's a fact of just the whole quarterback controversy thing had me heated. But I think the guy went out there and did exactly what we know he can do. He didn't lose us the game. He won. He played very well, lights out, hit the wide open guys when there. The, the plays were there to be made, and he uh, put us in a position to win big. So I think you have to go with him. Yeah, I, I love it, man. That's, that's exactly where I would have gone first, too. I, and I'm just going to add on to it a little bit. Well said. I'm going to wax poetic about Stetson Bennett here for a second, guys. He's kind of like J- Jake Fromm in a way. Like I think Jake Fromm got so much – unfair heat because he wasn't Justin Fields. And it wasn't anything that he did wrong. All that guy did is go out there and play the best football he could, work as hard as he could for the University of Georgia, did everything in his power to win football games for our university and won a hell of a lot of them too, by the way. But he got killed by a lot of people. There are people in the Georgia fan base that just hated Jake Fromm because of the way that things went down with Justin Fields. He got blamed for that unfairly. And I think Stetson, not to that degree, of course, but it's like, well, he's the walk on. He sh- he's not the more talented player. He shouldn't be playing. So when he plays, people like he gets vilified almost. Like, like not not everybody, but like certain people out there, are like, oh my God, Stetson. It's like he gets all this hate when it's like, oh my, all this guy does is work and work and work for this team, for this program. This guy could have walked out the door after last year, after all the heat he got, and everybody clamoring for JT. Why is Stetson still starting? Why are we getting JT? And you and I were saying it too, Curtis. So we're not we're not innocent here. This guy, he's going to walk back out the door and go and start somewhere else. Got in the transfer portal. He didn't do it, man. He stuck around. I'm sure he had his own reason, but he stuck around. He didn't go for that media gratification, and I love it. I love it when I see a guy like that reap the benefits. I was kind of waxing poetic about guys like Amir Speed and Latavius Brini and Channing Tindall, those kind of guys last week, guys who could have easily, easily transferred out at any point in their career, stuck around, Put their put their head down, went to work, and got better, and now they're reaping those rewards. And I just I love it for Stetson. I I, I think that we're better with JT. I do, and I hope that JT's our star the rest of the way. Because again, I want Georgia to win. I think he gives us the best option to do that. But I'd be lying if I said if I didn't tell you that Stetson Bennett was uh, a guy that I have a lot a lot of respect for. And we are. I just hope everybody knows how lucky we are to have a guy like him in our program. So 
the tip my cat was said some Bennett, man. He was called on. He was ready. It's been a t- I mean, think about how, being a walk on, then leaving and earning a scholarship coming back. And then like, not I mean, like Fisher coming the year last year, then you're the guy. And then you're not the guy. And JT's the guy. And he's in these million dollar NIL deal, deals. And then you're not even the number two quarterback according to, according to the coach. And then you get a chance to go out there. You're not even getting reps in practice really. And then you go out there and have just an incredible performance like that. So just, I love a friend, man. And I hope he, Lives this one up for the next couple of days. Uh, all right, Kurt. Who's? Oh, I guess I got to go. Um, I, I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go. Brock Bowers, uh, the other guy. You That's guys know I'm gonna go. Brock Bowers was going back to the off season when we signed him. Uh, guys, Brock Bowers, man, like Darnell. Who? Like, no, obviously we want Darnell Washington. I mean, Darnell makes us so much better. Those two guys together, Curtis. Can you think about that for a second? Well, it actually Ooh. scares, or it doesn't scare me, but it's it should scare defenses. Like if you go to like what Alabama did to mm. us last year, points where they were going with the heavy, uh, heavy guys, and we still couldn't cover them. Um, matchup wise, we can do that. We can go two tight end sets and still stretch you. Scary, because Bowers is essentially a receiver. I mean, he's just big enough to yeah. play tight. I mean, he's he is truly a new age hybrid tight end. But as I mean, a you freshman, saw that speed. oh, it's inc- I mean, Curtis, you saw they had the angles on him on that touchdown. It felt and, like it, it was weird. I felt like I was watching watching that Herschel run against South Carolina. Like those guys all had the angles on him. He's like, nah, deuces. See you later, man. Uh, unbelievable, man. Yeah. So as a freshman, first two games, it's only two games. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. He'll probably have some freshman ups and downs, as you know, like all freshmen do. But right now, leading the team in both receptions and receiving yards through two through two games. Last uh, yesterday, three catches, 107 yards, two touchdowns, and his Sanford Stadium debut. And, man, it is exciting to think about what the future holds for this guy here in Athens over the next couple of years. Very, very excited about him. And also Darnell when he gets back healthy, hopefully, hopefully very soon. All right, who's your next one, Kurt? Um, I'm going to go defense, and I'm going to go with Nasir Stackhouse. I thought um, one. he I thought he had a really good game um, for someone who we called on, and he was there to play. Like, you know, I mentioned he probably had some ups and downs too, especially in the run fits. But I thought he made some very good plays. You got to think of that one where he got pressure and forced the interception, and then the second one where he had the sack. and. I don't even know what you call the tackle of the guy, but just the way he hammered him. Um, I think the guy had a good game, and I want to give him a shout-out. Even his sack, he just, like, destroyed him. It was crazy. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't even guys, know what you call it, but yeah. Yeah, it's like he, he like, body-bumped him. I don't know. It was crazy. Um, yeah, so great call there on, on Nas Stackhouse. I, I will say you were mentioned earlier we were rotating a lot of guys on the defensive line. That's one of the reasons maybe we weren't as strong against the run. He was not one of the problems. I thought he did a very, very good game. So I think that's a really good call. Kind of giving him some love here. Uh, I'm going to stick on the defense side of the ball here, Kerr. I'll, I'll follow you. I'm going to go Channing Tindall. Love this guy. Talked about him last week. Man, Curtis, like, you know, you know, we all know how good Nicole Dean is. And you know I'm really high on Quay Walker. Is Channing Tindall kind of working himself into like a, a, like a co-starter almost? I mean, yeah. It, it, you know, before, especially when you go back to the years of Roquan, like, Matrez was the number two guy. And then. Even he had his problems, but when Reggie Carter came in, your heart stopped. Like you're like, oh, we're in trouble. They're gonna give up. There was just a talent (laughs) drop off there with Reggie Carter. Yeah, and and that's not the case now. Like the fact is, we have three inside linebackers that could start anywhere. It feels like. Yep, and just wait until Smile Mondin and Jamon get their chance to be the guys. I mean, we are out. Like, look, man, Glenn Schumann is recruiting that position. Lights out, man. Like we have stacked that that linebacker room. Ryan Davis too, yeah. So Shane Tindall led the team in tackles. Had had another sack in this game, and just to see him in that missile that just launched when a guy goes on the perimeter or is, is trying to attack the perimeter, he just the, he's an eliminator. He's an eraser at that position. When you try, it just 
there's a little stiffness in his game at times, I guess, in coverage. I guess if I had to be slightly critical, but man, like in terms of just running in a straight line, he's the fastest linebacker we got. I'm serious. I mean, he's the least of those guys who play in that rotation. So I was really excited for him. Another guy stuck around for a long time. He could have transferred out, but did not. So tip of the cap to Chain Tindall. All right, where are you going next, sir, for your last one? Oh, my last one, I actually think I'm going to go with Keely Ringo. Um, you know, a lot of people were hard on him. Um, he, no, he didn't make a ton of good plays, but the fact is I thought he did well coming up and stopping the run. And that's what, And then even then, I think that he did a good job on that um, that pick. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people, especially us, even talking about us last week, we're talking about, you know, very similar to Tyson Campbell and the fact that he's got all this athletic ability, but we're not sure how he's going to play the ball in the air. And I think that that pick right there was a prime example of the guy learning the position and all he needed was reps because he just let the receiver go. But the fact was he was playing the ball. Yeah. And look, they weren't Trey Shropshire, who was their best receiver, their big play threat. He was not mashed up on Ringo all game long, but Ringo got a couple looks on him and we held Shropshire to zero catches, zero. So it was an all around effort, but Ringo play, I thought he was, he just seemed more confident and comfortable. Didn't he Kurt? Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I, he just, he didn't look as like lost. I mean, I know it's not Clemson's receivers. It wasn't the big time atmosphere, but the fact is that's what you want to see. Um, Every game he plays, him getting more and more comfortable, and that's what I felt like he was out there. And what athleticism on that interception, man, and just some great ball skills too. So, yeah, I think he, he's scratching the surface, man. He's going to get better and better. I think we saw that from week one to week two. He got better. So week two to week three, he continues to get better. All right, my last one. Now, this is going to be maybe a little one off the off the radar. This is just based off what I saw watching the game live and, and the rewatch here on Sunday afternoon. He didn't stuff the, the stat sheet. I think he only ended up with like one tackle officially. I thought Jalen Carter got the start with, with Devontae Wyatt not playing. I'm going to get my, my last game ball to Jalen Carter. I thought he was a presence in the backfield consistently when he was in. Um, he did miss a tackle here or there, but so did a lot of people on defense. But he was getting in the backfield, which is what this guy does, creating havoc, um, pressuring quarterback, all sorts of things throughout the game. So for me, I'm going to go Jalen Carter. I think, you know, if you listen to our preseason series that we were doing, we were ranking the top. 20 players in, on the Georgia football team, he was inside our top five. And it wasn't based on production yet because he hadn't had those opportunities, but it's based on talent. It's all projection. And every time I watch a guy play, I'm like, oh, my God. My jaw just drops. I'm like, you are so freaking talented. And I thought he did a really good job kind of creating pressure and getting um, in the backfield when he had opportunities against UAB. So I'll give him my final game ball of the week. But all right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UGA podcast. Obviously, we talked about a lot of things here on the episode today, hit on a lot of the high points in the hour that we had to record. But of course, we were not able to discuss every little detail about the game and we're not able to discuss every single player that we wanted to talk about. So that's what our mailbag episodes are for that and also just getting a chance to answer your questions directly. So Charlie and I will be back on Tuesday for our week two mailbag episode where we'll take one more look back at this week's big victory over UAB and also maybe take a little bit of a of a look ahead to next week's game against South Carolina. But thanks for listening, guys. Had a lot of fun this weekend. It was awesome to get back out there. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. As always, go dogs.